Welcome to the One Up Formula family. What is going on, everyone? Hope you're enjoying the podcast episode so far. And this interview I did with Jackie Hermes, it was so great. One of my favorite people to follow on LinkedIn, but also as well, someone that I built a friendship with and has given me good advice in my career thus far. So this will not disappoint. And, you know, we always like to dive into like, what do we actually talk about? Uh, I mean, as a whole, three main things. But before I go into the three main things, uh, Jackie is someone you definitely need to pay attention to. She's really taking a really big hold and she's been fostering this movement in the Milwaukee community when it comes to startups. I mean, she's part of the Milwaukee Startup Week. You know, she's won awards within the Milwaukee community and she's doing a really great job uh, within the B2B space when it comes to marketing, helping SaaS companies put themselves out there more. So one thing that we talked about is getting some sleep. <laughs> okay, We talked about sleep a lot in this podcast. So hopefully now everyone understands that you need to get some sleep out here. Uh, I'm, I'm the same. I've been starting to pay attention to it more getting you know at least six to seven hours i'm looking to continue to get better which is always a progression but we did talk about sleep too as we talked about journaling and we've talked about this quite a bit as well but she does it in a, in a different way uh, so i, I y'all gotta pay attention to how she did it i'm not gonna spoil it for you you gotta listen to the whole thing and then also as well she talked about introspection and overcommitting. In life, we sometimes overcommit to too many things because we don't like to say no to people. We want to be there for everyone, but we realize in being there for others, we're not there for ourselves. And she talks about how she's been overcommitting a lot in the past couple months, and now she is starting to really knock that down, not overcommit as much, and having more of an introspection on like, what should I be doing uh, to bolster my own growth for myself? So this was a fantastic episode. It's always a pleasure to speak with Jackie, and I promise you'll learn a lot as you tune into this episode. Appreciate you listening in. Real quick. I want to show some love to one of our sponsors, Lesson Lee, and my guy, Kyle Lacey over there. It's a powerful yet simple readiness and training software for high growth sales teams. And as we all know, it's a virtual environment, so it's really important to have the remote teams on the same page so they can deliver amazing experiences to the customers and prospects. And I love their motto, by the way, do better work, check them out. They're helping major brands like HelloFresh, Goodwill, Birchbox, and Thrive Market do success. And a lot of their clients are saying that their software gives them a lot more confidence in the way that they onboard their new reps and their existing reps. That's massive. So if you're in the market for it, check them out. Easy to use, easy to adopt. It's Lessonly.com. So it's L-E-S-S-O-N-L-Y.com. And you can also click the link in the show notes to get there as well. And we'll just tell you a little bit about her. So she's the CEO of Accelerate Marketing based out of Wisconsin. So she's in Milwaukee. So, you know, we'll see if the Bucks can pull through here. Uh, She beat my Hawks. I'm a little salty, but it's all right. And they help with B2B marketing for SaaS companies, as you all know, tech companies in the space. Um, Also as well, organizer of the Startup Milwaukee's Emerge events. And also as well, uh, she's won a multitude of different awards, highly active on LinkedIn, uh, very engaging content, and also is a coach and advisor at The Commons. So I'm super excited to welcome Jackie to the show. Jackie, anything else you want to add to that? Was that all accurate before we get into this? Yeah, accurate and nothing to add right now, though. I'm sure I have lots of stories for you as we go. 
Oh, cool. No, we're, we're excited to hear the story. So the first question I have, because I saw it on your website, and I think you've briefly mentioned this to me this before. So pilot license. So how far along are you in your pilot license and for the audience? Because we just talked about you being a CEO and founder. How in the world are you <laughs> having time to do a pilot license? And what does that mean to you? Okay, so this is the story. My dad is a pilot. He was uh, an air traffic controller for years. Mm -hmm. he, he still has his license. He just told me yesterday when he was over that he just did his like check ride. Um, and I started doing my pilot's license pre-COVID and was really gung-ho. And it was like I was running the business. I was running Women's Entrepreneurship Week at the same time. Mm -hmm. I was doing pilot like um, ground school at night. I was flying twice a week. It was way too much. COVID yeah. hit and I was like, okay, this is kind of a blessing in disguise. They shut down the airport. And so I like recalibrated everything. So how far along am I? Honestly, I am, I have maybe 20 flight hours and I'm kind of starting over right now. Oh. Uh, it was, it was a very interesting process because yeah. um, I had an instructor that like awesome guy, but I was not retaining what he was telling me. And as a high performer, it is so frustrating to be in a situation where I usually pick stuff up really quickly. And I'm like, I don't get this. Like I can fly the plane and that feels natural. But when it comes to like the physics and the science part of it, I just was not understanding it. So I'm back at square one, but I'm really excited to start it up again. So this is really interesting. Before I go to my next question, it's, it's actually going to translate into it. But before we get there, do you feel like you need another person to walk you through something if you don't understand it? Do you more so blame? Is it like not blame yourself, but you know, it's like, oh, this is me. Like I'm not getting or is like the teacher isn't really teaching the way I should. Um, I think I mean, this is the funny thing is, is this is a guy that taught my dad how to fly and my yeah. dad is an excellent pilot. So I know that he has the skills. I think it was on me that. I was not, I was doing too much and overcommitting mm -hmm. is something that I want to talk to you about today too, but I was overcommitted and I wasn't retaining it. Like I was, I was looking at it, you know, in school when you like have too heavy a class load and you're like, all right, I just got to cram this and get through it. I yeah. was kind of looking at it like that. And you can't really like cram how to fly a plane, right? Like you have to really know this stuff if you're going to be up in the air by yourself flying that plane. So yep. I'm, I'm taking ownership of it and I'm like trying to figure out a new way that I can take in the information and learn it so that it really makes sense to me because the yeah. feeling of being in the air is unlike any other. It's crazy. It's really fun. Um, and it's just getting like all the knowledge behind it that I'm working on right now. No, that that's awesome. I mean, I... And besides you, there isn't anyone else that I know that is actively looking to get their pilot It's cool that obviously runs in the family as well and leads into like you as a person from what I've seen and also from the content that you post. Uh, one thing that you're a huge advocate of is helping women stand more in their voice and, and being more confident and even saying the things they didn't want to say. So for you, like what is the advice that you have for women who want to be stronger and become more of their voice? And what are the steps that you've taken to get there as well? Yeah, good question. And I have a different answer than I probably would have had if you talked to me a year or two ago. Okay. Because I always, I mean, I grew up like very vocal. I've always been, you know, like if I had an opinion, I was going to say it. And so I had an advantage in that way, right? Over mm. some women that were taught, you know, not to speak up. And a lot of women are kind of conditioned to be quiet and not to speak up. And I think that's changing a little bit, but it's just mm. a tiny bit by tiny bit. And there's a lot more that we have to do. 
Um, so I always kind of had that piece of it, but I didn't exactly always have the tact growing up in like, you know, like mm. when do you speak up and how do you choose the things and how do you present information in a way that people are going to want to listen to and follow you as a leader? Um, so that is something that I've become very introspective over the last few years and looking at like, you know, how can I present this information in a way that people understand it and can take it in and want to hear it. And I would encourage women as you're going through this journey to look at like your fears. Do I fear speaking up and why? Where does that come from? Is it a pattern I want to continue? And how do I overcome that? Um, doing a lot of that like self-talk and a lot of practice, even before I give my team a talk on something, I always like write up my bullet points and I practice it to make sure that I have like the inflection and the tone that I want. So I really get my message across appropriately and the way that I want it to be instead of doing it off the cuff and it not coming across the way I want. So I think there's actually a lot that goes into it. Although like two years ago, I probably would have said like, oh, I grew up like this and it was easy. But it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like I already got the talent. What you talking about? <laughs> uh, I had part of it and I'm lucky to have that. But I think there's a lot more work that goes into it for sure. I'm I'm glad that you brought that up before we go into the the meat of the interview where we ask three people three things that people do outside of work to be successful. Uh, I've had to do the same thing with my energy. So one thing that I've naturally have been gifted with is just having high energy and being able to do it and not really have to have like outside factors to have that energy. However, if you ha if you have high energy, that could also be highly annoying. And what I mean by that is you're always so fired up at every single moment. People are like, okay, like I understand you got high energy, but can you control it? Can you like, like you said, the tact behind it. So like, that's what even my answer would be different around. Like, how do you have high energy? My answer would be different today than it would be even a year and a half, two years ago, because I realized that I had to do some more inner work to control that energy and knowing when to like really elevate that or be like really calm about situations and like not like profess the normal energy I would have. So I'm actually glad that you brought that up. And even for everyone here, like writing down like, okay, like I have a fear of public speaking or I have a fear of doing a podcast or posting, like where does that really come from? And that's how you do that self-discovery so that you can speak up with more confidence because you know where the emotion is happening. So let's go into these three things though. So what are the three things that you do outside of being a CEO at work that help you be successful in what you're doing today? Yeah, I would say, I mean, two of them are things that people kind of always talk about, right? Mm -hmm. It's things like, okay, I have this whoop strap. I took it off right now because I wave my arms around all the time and you can see it during <laughs> the podcast. But I mean, it tracks like every single thing about your body, right? So okay. it tracks your resting heart rate. It tracks your heart rate variability. It tracks how much sleep you're getting, how hard you're working out. And I started it last August and I've always, I've used like a bunch of different trackers, right? And I never stuck with them. Like I had a mm. Fitbit and then I had an Apple watch and I was like, oh, cool. I closed my rings, but it was like, <laughs> it didn't really mean anything, you know? Yep. And this system has really worked for me. Like it, it tracks even down to like, how much are you waking up at night and how much sleep are you really getting? So mm. when I started tracking, I realized that I was consistently getting less than seven hours of sleep a night. And I was always freaking irritated, mm. you know, like I was kind of like on nine, ready to go to 10 at all times. And it's because I wasn't sleeping enough, but I didn't have a clue because I was like, 
I'm putting myself in bed for seven to seven and a half hours a night. And yeah. now I know that I have to actually put myself in bed for eight to eight and a half to get the amount that I need. And yeah. it's like carving out that time, especially when you are a high performer, you're running a business, it almost seems like a luxury, but it just makes the days so much better. So I think the first thing is just like getting the data behind yourself and understanding, yep. you know, like how you perform. Okay. What are the, what are the other two? Um, other one? Well, two is journaling. So okay. have you, have you read high performance habits? I haven't. It's a really good book. And he has this companion journal that I write in every single day. And it is, I mean, it asks you all these things like, what's one thing I'm excited about today? Um, what are your intentions today? How do I want to show up? What's my message to myself? What's one person that I need to connect with? And how am I going to mm -hmm. do it? Like, how would I know today is successful at the end of the day? And it seems like sometimes I'm like, oh, this, these are so many freaking questions, man. Like, <laughs> but, you know, once you get in the habit, then it's like you can use all of that information and simply answering the questions helps you understand every day, you know, like, how do I want to show up and set an intent intention for the day? And it doesn't yep. always work out perfectly, but I think just answering those questions really helps. Yeah, no, that that's really cool on that. And we're going to dive into that journal. And then what's the third thing? The third thing is that that introspection, something that we yep. talked about a little bit already. And a, a few years ago, I really like went through this process of beginning to look at myself and understanding why I am the way I am. And mm -hmm. if I like myself and the person I am and the things I do, and if I want to do it, and I can tell you a little bit about that journey, but that has become key to my success and mindset every day. So these are three key things and journaling. I would probably say almost every single guest mentions that, but they, everyone does it a different way, which is cool. Like you brought up a journal that I've never even heard of that. I'm like, that sounds pretty cool. So everyone does that differently. We've had some people talk about REM sleep. I want to actually go to what you just said. And I want to hear about this journey. So could you walk me through this journey of what, happened that made you start having this journey of self-analysis or what some of our guests have called it that inner work? Yeah. It's, it's so funny because I, I always, I always preface sentences. It's funny because, and it's like, is it funny? <laughs> Maybe I'll remove that from my vocabulary. Anyway, uh, I would say, I mean, I became an adult and I started dating my first husband when I was 22. I got mm. married when I was 23. I had kids when I was 24. Uh, and I spent a lot of my life being around other people and just yeah. and doing all of that and also just over committing myself. Exactly what we were just talking about with like running the company. I was running yep. a second little side hustle. I was doing my pilot's license. And I just, I think I set my life up like that to not have the time to like, look at myself, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, it's very easy to set up this like stack of things that you're achieving and you're always getting praised for and not leave yourself the time to, to look at yourself and ask yourself those questions. Like, why am I acting the way that I am? And mm -hmm. do I like the person that I am? And I got divorced three years ago. And when I was getting divorced, I packed up like my clothes and that was pretty much it. And just completely started over, moved out. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't buy a TV. I took like my books and my clothes and I just spent a ton of time alone. And it was, 
it was like the first time I had ever spent time alone at 32 yeah. years old. And it was really weird because I almost didn't know, especially with no TV, just went like cold turkey on the TV. And I didn't yeah. even know what to do with my time. And I just started thinking through like, like if I have a reaction in a certain situation, where does that reaction come from? Why do I react like that? Where did I learn that behavior? Is it something I want to continue? And what yeah. do I want to do forward? And it's like just thinking through those processes and understanding who you are and why and making sure you like the person that you are. It has like it's changed everything for me over the last few years. And I will say this process coincided with starting my personal brand. So yeah. it's been it's been interesting because I have pretty much been everything that I talk about on LinkedIn has been this process that I've been going through over the last three or so years. Mm. Now, I don't think I've ever even probably told anyone that that's where the process came from, but I think I put my first video up like a week after I decided to get divorced. So it was yeah. interesting timing. That's for sure. <laughs> you, I mean, it sounds like you're using the, the journey of a, the journey of yourself, but also sharing that journey of yourself in another version through LinkedIn. And it was like, hey, I'm just gonna step out here and do something that I don't I don't really know what's gonna go down, but this is really expressing myself because this is what I need to do now. Yeah, exactly. It was, I had kind of committed to doing that already. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I really, the timing on this sucks and I really don't wanna do it. But once I commit to something, I'm gonna do it. So do it. it. Yeah, it really, I think it, I like speak to myself in my content all the time and it helps you process, you know, it's like the messages I need to learn or the things that I need to tell myself in my head. I just, yeah. I'm like, Oh, maybe other people can benefit from this. And then I give those messages to other people too. It's funny that you say that. Like I see it the same way. The content is you speaking to the current self or even yourself five years ago Yeah, where it's like, uh, this is what you, the reason that you get heated and emotional about it. It's not because you're like mad. It's because it's like, that's what yourself five years ago, if they would have heard that life is completely different, right? Trajectories will be different. You know, things happen the way that they happen, but that's important. So I guess going back to, you mentioned something that I want to dive deeper into. You said, hey, I put myself around people and you didn't spend your time alone. Was there a reason for that where you just, you didn't feel like you could spend time by yourself? Did you not really like yourself at that time. So you had to spend time with other people to like have that energy. Like what was going on there? I don't think I even knew whether I liked myself or not. I think mm. I just have always been really extroverted. And so like in high school, I always had a job or two and I was playing a couple sports and going yep. to school, you know? So I was always just like busy. And my dad is like that too. He, he told me a few years ago, like, if there's one thing I wish you didn't get from me, it's the tendency to overcommit yourself. And yeah. so I, you know, I grew up seeing him like running a union and he's an air traffic controller and he's a pilot and he's in local politics, you know, and he's mm. doing all of that. And so that's kind of like what I was aiming for. And I think you can get to the point where you have committed yourself to so much stuff and you spend so much time with other people that you don't take a step back and say yeah. like, do I like going to all these events? Do I want to be public speaking? Is my pilot's license something that I really want to do? Or am I doing this to make my dad proud? Yeah. You know? And I think that you have to give yourself space and time to answer those questions. And a lot of people don't. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise out here and it can easily get caught up. And this will like, 
go into my next question here that you talked about. You got the overcommitting from your dad and sounds like you sounds like you do have a pretty close relationship with him based on the pilot thing as well. Right. Yeah. So the, the thing that I want to follow up with is that I think a lot of people, when it comes to doing things themselves, they're terrified. I remember three years. Yeah. Three years ago, I went to St. Lucia and St. Lucia, for those of you who don't know, is like the number one <laughs> honeymoon spot it's like the number one wedding spot so like if you go there like typically go there with a couple so i went there by myself and people are like who are you and i'm like yeah i'm just i'm just chilling by myself like i i wasn't dating one at the time and they're like what is going like what are you doing here by yourself and i was like i'm just just getting introspective like i just want to hang out by myself and people were like floored by it so like the, the reason i bring that up is because the question is what did you do in that time by yourself? Where did you go? And then how did that time help you with tackling the overcommitting? I, uh, you know, the opportunity to spend that amount of time by myself presented itself to me and did not seem like an opportunity at first. Yeah. I yeah. Think when you get married when you're really young and had, I mean, by the time most of my friends started having kids, my kids were eight, nine, ten. You know, yeah. and so I was just like on a different path. And frankly, I don't know that I had a ton of friends when I went on that path. So I would be, you know, like texting my friends, Hey, Saturday, what are you doing? And they're like, Oh, we're out of town. We're working or whatever. And I was like, wow, I'm spending every Saturday night sitting at home by myself. I have no TV. What am I yeah. going to do? You know? And so it just, at first it seemed, it was like very painful. So I was like, oh man, I got to sit here by myself and like deal with my own thoughts and yep. whatever it may be. Um, but it soon became an opportunity to start just like listening to podcasts, reading books and just thinking in a different way than I had previously. I didn't just, I think I would have just buried myself in work probably five years ago. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's my tendency, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was an interesting path to get there, but I'm so glad I did it. What was the most fascinating thing that you learned about yourself during that time? I mean, I think it was like everything, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I used to say I only had two emotions, happy and mad. And, <laughs> and that is, uh, I think it's like trauma conditioning. It's going through, you know, mm. not having... I don't want to say not having the opportunity, but I just, that is how my emotions came out. And it's because I didn't know how to process other emotions that might've mm. made me feel upset or whatever. And I never liked being upset. I still don't like showing when I'm upset, yeah. um, but it's like, I have to look at that and try to figure out how do I calm down? What can I do if I have an emotional reaction to something? What do I do with that energy? And how can I get my mind into a different place? Now, yeah. that's not to say things don't like knock me out still, because sometimes they do. I mean, sometimes bad sure. things happen and you're upset for days and that happens. But like I recover a lot more quickly now and it's from looking at that. So looking at like, what all went into that mad emotion and learning that being mad is actually a secondary emotion to a lot of other things that are actually coming out. Um, and that helped me look at like my divorce and say like, what did I contribute to this? You know, yeah. and what part of this is my fault? What could I have done better? And I mean, I think it just like helped me heal a lot, you know, and apologize where I needed to. And 
all those fun things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the 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 journey of self-discovery. I think one thing you mentioned you've mentioned this twice already, writing things down. Um on on the, the looking at your fears, writing down those fears, you mentioned that, and you just mentioned like writing down like mistakes. Like this is very hard for most people to do. I remember taking time for myself and just writing down like, okay, like why did this go bad? And try to figure out like what you could have done wrong. Cause it's, it's easy to blame other people and be like, oh, like that person was trash. <laughs> like, it wasn't me, right? It's easy to do that. But sometimes it's like, you know what? Like I, this is what I did to cause that trigger for that person. Or I was doing this thing and that's why this person acted this way. And I think the more that we can do that, the better. And that that's, that will make you better at whatever you do. I mean, we have people listening in that are in sales. We have people listening in that are owners, et cetera. It's like, hey, well, you didn't hit quota. And it's like, you could blame the leads aren't coming in. Or you could be like, oh, maybe you're just saying something wrong in your conversation that you need to evaluate. Same thing goes with personal relationships. And it really all comes together. Yeah, I think you can take ownership. I tell my team this all the time. Every single situation, no matter how crappy the things that are happening happening mm-hmm. to you might seem, there is some level of ownership that you can take to change it. So for example, sometimes we have clients that aren't showing up for weekly meetings and the team's like, oh, they're busy. And I'm like, hmm, they're busy, but why do they not see enough value in this meeting to show up? What could we do to change their perspective to make make them excited about this work that we're doing together and make them energized by it and make them want to show up and rearrange their schedule to come work with us instead yeah. of skipping the meeting to go do whatever else they're doing, right? And so Absolutely. I literally think every single situation you can look at and say, like, what can I do to change this? And there's a lot more within our own power than we think. And I, I agree with you 100%. And so within that, it sounds like, your advice here is for people to go maybe take a day, a weekend and really write down, okay, where are you? Who do you want to be? And who do you want to become? So I guess for you, like what has that now changed to like, who do you want to be? What are you looking to become now that you've taken that time? Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that every single thing I do, I am freaking in love with like, Mm. uh, and, and it's not like, Oh, you know, go do what you love. I do not like that phrase. But it's, I want to love the process of everything I'm doing. I want to be able to fully devote myself to it. And if I can't, I say no. So, and I'm saying no a lot more these days. And I think that is very helpful to leave myself the space and time that I need, like I said, to be able to answer those questions or be able to take new opportunities that I do want when they arise. Mm. So that's something that I'm changing. And I think overall, I've just become a lot more calm. Like the, my assistant Eden will sometimes comment on how calm I am when shit hits the fan. And I'm like, wow, I don't think that a few years ago, anyone would have really said that. about me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, I have just become able to be calm. Not that I'm not feeling turmoil inside. Sure. I can, I can project calm and I can help people through it in a calm way. So I think that next level for me is like, how can I, calm the turmoil inside, you know, and, and I have strategies, like if I'm feeling upset, I'll go hop on my Peloton and I'll try to like, you know, just like ride it out. And usually I feel better after that, but half the time I just want to sulk, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is annoying. <laughs> instead of going to get on my bike. Right. So yep. I think that's like the next level of awareness is like, now I can, I can deal with what I feel and how, what I project after that. But like, how can I actually change the feelings and impact that inside myself? I know, I know. 
beginning an interruption in the middle of the episode and having an ad pop up in the middle of a great point is the worst. However, I want to show some love to my organization and sponsor, JB Sales. And as many of you know, I started out giving out sales content on a YouTube channel and podcast called the SR Chronicles. And I created the one-up formula to figure out different concepts. However, on a day-to-day basis, I'm still talking about sales. And I am a business professional that happens to give out sales techniques and a sales trainer over at JB Sales. And we train reps for leading companies like Slack, Google, MindBody, Salesforce, and many fast-growing companies like that. And what some of you may not know, hot tip, is that you can access our content for yourself with our new on-demand platform. So people are constantly asking me for my sales tips and constantly asking questions from multiple platforms like on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and everything that I talk about is inside of the on-demand platform. And we're seeing crazy results from people all across the board. And people are DMing me telling me, hey, we're, we're scheduling 20x more meetings, 2x on our cold call conversions and using video prospecting to schedule net new meetings into accounts they never were able to. So if you're interested in this, on these incredible results that we're seeing, feel free to check us out. And if you're in sales and if you're looking to up your sales game, this is for you. So check us out, JB Sales On Demand over at ondemand.jbarrows.com. That's ondemand, J-B-A-R-R-O-W-S.com. And per usual, I'll put the link in the show notes. All right, let's get back in the episode. It's it's the, the internal processing because like if you're not doing the internal processing, it's very easy for you to be like <laughs> sulk, be upset, get mad at the person because like oh like you're nit you're nit like it and like we have it right like like somebody says something you're like this is like the dumbest thing this person could have said right and you want to like snap at them but then you like you have to process it and be like okay, maybe they just really don't know. And then like, you're now gonna be more calm approaching, even though internally, you know, you're screaming being like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Cause I've been there a lot where I'm just like, what is this person talking about? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny too. Cause some of the worst shit that's happened to me, sorry, I don't know if I should be swearing. So my bad. Some of the worst uh, things. You're good. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Uh, and some of the worst things that have happened, I assign their intention to be very negative, right? Mm. Like uh, someone goes and leaves a crappy glass door review and I'm like, oh, and then instead you have to look at the opposite and say like, what did, what did I do to cause this? And Mm. maybe they're doing that because they are reaching out for help or because they were giving signs or they were asking for help and they didn't feel that they were receiving it. Like, what can I do to go and solve this instead of just being like, what a jerk. You know, and I think that goes back to you can impact every situation if you can take ownership of it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And another thing that you'd mentioned, you know, we talked about introspection. We talked about how to not overcommit yourself. Now you're saying no. Uh, when you go about and say no to people, because I think everyone really needs to hear this. How do you do that? Is it just saying no? Like what, what is your template here? <laughs> I, I still feel freaking terrible every time I do it, like anytime someone asks me for a, like pick your brain type call, I say no to nine out of 10 of those. And I feel bad. But, um, if you read the book, essentialism, there's almost a whole chapter on how to say no. And it might be, 
Uh, I'm really overcommitted right now, but if you reach back out to me in four to six weeks, I would consider it. Often when people do take the time to follow up, then I will take a meeting with them. Um, It might be, sorry, I don't have time for this opportunity right now, but here's someone that might, right? And giving them a different introduction. And then frankly, you don't have to give excuses. You don't have to say like, I'm overcommitted right now. Um, Mm. You can just say, you know, this doesn't align with my personal mission right now. So I'm going to have to pass, but I really appreciate you reaching out. And most people are like, cool. Thank you for your consideration. Thanks for responding. And they're totally cool about it. So I almost think that we work ourselves up so much about the idea of saying no, that it makes it so much worse. It does. It does. Cause you don't want, I mean, you don't want to disappoint people, even though you said 90%, it's like the pick my brain stuff. I don't, I used to say it myself. I don't like it for a lot of reasons now because I'm just like, because you know how those conversations go. People come on, they ask you where you're from, what you do, and then that's like 10 minutes. And then they ask you generic questions that you probably have already said in a post or have already said on a podcast. And you're like, well, this, this, I just, I just wasted 30 minutes and no one came in with something very like this granular of like what they wanted to cover. So like, yeah, we, we obviously need to respect our times as other people would want to respect theirs. So that's, I'm, I like that template of, of the no. So I want to go into like the journaling aspect. You talked a lot about writing things down. You mentioned the questions in there. Is that what you do every single morning? And is there anything else that you do in terms of journaling? Yeah. So in the morning, you are answering questions about like what you're excited about, how you want to show up. Um, One question is one thing that might trip me up today is and how I'm going to deal with that. And then you get to look at your patterns, right? So I then journal in the morning, 10 questions at night. I answer six where you talk about um, something you learned today, something you handled well today, something you didn't handle quite so well today. Mm. And then And then I get to look back and look at like, am I answering some of these questions in the same way over and over again? Like the one thing that might trip me up, I write about time, prioritization and delegation all the time. And so it's like in your mind, like, oh, this is something I actually need to work on. Um, Something I could have done better today, like uh, when all three of the kids are here, sometimes I'm like, oh, I could have been a little more patient today. And if I write about that consistently for a period of time, it's like, okay, what's going on, right? Um, What's happening in here that I am not as patient as I need to be? And how can I improve that? So I think that's the biggest thing for me is journaling helps me not only prioritize, but it helps me identify the patterns in my life that I don't Mm. think I would see otherwise. I think that's a really good point on, on seeing the patterns because that's one thing that I personally, now look thinking back, I don't do as good a job on. Like I'll like write what I'm grateful for, but like I promise, if I looked at the past six months, I probably repeated what I'm grateful for. I probably repeated like how I go about affirmations. So I think those patterns are good to acknowledge. So when you acknowledge them, it sounds like you self-diagnose. Do you try to go, I know you mentioned you're really big into this, but do you find like a coach or a mentor around it? If it's like a bigger issue, like what's, what do you, how do you go about that? I'm a huge self-diagnoser. I actually have never, oddly enough, really gone to therapy for any extended period of time, though I think I could use it. But like (laughs) now, now I like give myself therapy. It's and it's like all three of the kids are in therapy and I totally believe in it and I want them to like it to be normalized for them. Yet I still have not sent myself through it in the amount that I should. Um, so I, I spend a lot of time like looking at myself and understanding um, those patterns and like thinking, what might a therapist say? And it, I mean, that's my process. Yeah, no, I, 
I, I love it. Is there anything that has like are there two or three things that have really like popped up in doing your journal that's been like, whoa, like alarming that you needed to take care of? Yeah, I mean, one is I stopped overcommitting myself time-wise, but then yeah. I continue I continued overcommitting committing myself task-wise. So I would set myself up every day and be like, I'm gonna do these 12 things today. And then at the end of the day, every single day, I felt like a failure because I never ever got it done. And right. I think a lot of people do this where you're like, you know, you have your big list. And then at the end of the day, you gotta push half of it to the next day. And then at yep. the end of that day, you gotta push half of it to the next day. Just changing the way that I set the structure of my day has changed how I feel about what I do every day. Now I use Andy Frisella's power list. I don't know if you've ever heard his podcast. His uh, like new the, one, the top three, is it like the top three things yeah, you read at the beginning of the day? It's five. So it's like okay. I, my power list is I'm only doing five things today. That is it. If I can mm. only prioritize five things, what are they? Working out is on there every day. What are the other, you know, four things? And then I actually give myself an opportunity to accomplish the things that I have set out to do. Yeah. And I have to prioritize it. It's so it's just it's such a tiny little shift in the way that you structure your day, but it can make such a huge impact in like how happy you are with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, we don't we we sometimes don't even track the tasks that we're doing. We know we need to do them, but not like really like checking them off and being like, I completed this. And and as small as working out, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that could be big because you got to get up, you got to go do it. But like it's it does. It's like normally 30, 45 minutes to go do a workout. Right. And that's one thing you could check off. Right. If you go in the morning or you go late at night, that's one thing you're like, oh, cool. I've already done that workout. And that's an accomplishment. And putting it in the five things every day ensures like, okay, I'm going to do this every single day. I rarely skip the workouts that I have planned and it has just given me a lot more consistency, which is helpful. No, I mean, I absolutely love that. Is there, so you stayed on this journal. Have you considered getting other journals? And do you recommend people to have like multiple journals or you're just saying, Hey, you should just stick with one and then build from there. If you have a really good habit, maybe. But for me, I am still working on the habit of doing this every single day. Like I do it yep. most days, um, but I don't want to, I think a lot of people add too many things, you know, like I'm going to mm. improve myself and I'm going to start journaling and meditating and I'm going to work out every day and I'm going to have a salad for lunch. And it's like, okay, <laughs> like you are setting yourself up to fail if you're going to try to do all of that at the same time. So yeah. I kind of am like, Knowing my limits, knowing that journaling is something that is relatively new for me in the last mm -hmm. like eight, eight, 10 months, um, I'm sticking to the one to make sure that I have that habit down and then I can explore other things. Yeah, we like to we like to call it the woo woo. That's too much woo woo at once. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's way too much. For me. Seriously, and that's that's where I always used to fall down. Like when I was younger, I'd be like, I'm gonna change my life, right? And I'm yep. really gonna do these five things, and you bomb at all of them because you can only get one habit at a time. Like I worked for the habit of working out every single day. For mm. I did 75 hard, which is like 75 straight days of working out and like a yep. program and that helps me develop that habit then i can move on to developing another habit but you can't do it all at the same time yeah i think that's a good advice we it's easy to feel like you could take on the world especially with instagram i mean there's tiktok facebook linkedin you see someone you're like okay well <clears throat> they're doing 
saunas. They're eating this type of food. They have this lifestyle. And it's like, I'm going to do all that at once. And it's like, uh, no, they took baby steps to get there. It's not all in one. And you could get to that point, but it won't happen all at once. And I think that's really important for people to hear. Yeah. I, and the funny thing is too, half that shit you see on Instagram, people aren't doing that regularly anyway. They're like, no. Oh, I ate one salad this week. So it's going on the gram and it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, like everything with a grain of salt, right? Cause I don't exactly. think any, anyone with a personal brand is unless they're putting out the real stuff that's happening behind the scenes, which a lot of people don't, um, it's not a realistic standard. No, it's, it, it's, it's not at all. And, and the thing is, is that, because of that, people, because they're trying to aim for something that isn't realistic and they're not being told it's not realistic, they end up not getting as much sleep. So one thing you talked about is you're like, hey, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm cranky, I'm off. Uh, was there a moment, a day where you, like you were so cranky, so off that you're like, I have to change this? Like what was the what was the big change there? It was getting the whoop tracker uh, and yep. under and looking at like it was it was a combination of things. It was like I had yeah. headaches all the time. My shoulders always hurt because like mm. from carrying stress. And and then I was like, you know, at the end of every day, I was like exhausted. Or two p.m. comes after I eat lunch, and I'm like, oh, I can't even function anymore. And then it's yeah. like, it you deal with your own bullshit for long enough. And you're like, why is this happening? This can't yeah. just be how I'm going to live my life every single day for the rest of my life with this pain and feeling agitated and irritated, whatever. So mm -hmm. it's just like, I finally got fed up with my own yeah. bullshit, like I said, and decided to start understanding where that came from and doing things like eating even relatively healthy working out, getting enough sleep that can tackle a lot of the, the pain and irritation and everything else that you might be feeling in your life. Not that that's a cure all. And I'm not a doctor by any means, but Do it Dr. Helps, Jackie, it helps me. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. No, yeah, you, you never know. Really helps me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, a lot of people come on here talking about they've gotten really deep into the REM sleep, like how many hours that they're getting and I've always been a person that I, I've been able to get away with like three to five hours of sleep and like still be functional. But the thing is, is that like it hit me a couple months ago and like I was so off. I was like, wait, like I was waking up later. I was like getting cranky with people like I was easily irritated. And I was like, how is this possible? Like, how could I be so easily irritated? How could these things be happening? So you know, these things are like really, really important that you have to be thinking about right throughout the process and all those things across the board. So, you know, that's just something for everybody to like really take into consideration here. So, all right, we're going to we're gonna wrap this up here. So you have the data behind and, and say that again. So everybody can, it's called whoop strap. Yeah, it's just, I don't whoop whoop w h o o p it is it's like mostly for athletes you can see like basketball players golfers people that are like really high performers or high performing athletes mm -hmm. wear it and to track because it tracks little things like are you getting enough REM sleep like you're talking about or yeah. deep sleep and it tells you like the average adult gets this much are you tired here's what you could do to fix it and it gives you so much information it's just a really cool really cool tool no, that and and how often do you look at it? 
I mean, I'm looking at it all the time because I'm so yeah. competitive with myself that I'm like, <laughs> of course. you know, like, oh, have I reached my strain threshold that I wanted to stay? Did I work out hard enough? Did I get enough sleep? Um, and then you can put yourself in groups with your friends. So then I compete with them too. And my husband is like a freaking athlete. He works out a ton. He's just insane, you know? And so getting in a group with him and competing with him has been yep. really motivating for me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really cool. Cause like now it's like, you know what you need to focus on and to get better at, to get healthy. And now it's like, it, again, it's like a teamwork kind of collaboration effort, but also at the same time, it's like, no, I'm being competitive because I, I want to, I want to beat everybody, but also it's making me, it's making me get better and advice for people on how they could start getting better sleep, right? Let's say, okay, I got my whoop strap. I know I need to get more hours of sleep. What is your process on going to bed? Like, do you shut down electronics for an hour before? Like what's going on? I should shut down electronics, but I don't always. I like okay, to yeah. like log back in and work at night, but I did set all of my electronics to turn off the blue light at like mm. 9.30 every night. So that helps for sure. Um, outside of that, I mean, I don't have like a big, crazy bedtime routine. It takes me so long to like do my face routine and stuff mm. that I'm probably off electronics for 30 to 45 minutes anyway. So that's good. Um, and I mean, I think just getting in that routine and going to bed around a consistent time. Another cool thing about this trap is it tells you like if you're being consistent or not, if you're screwing up your circadian or circadian rhythm, I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that definitely helps, but no, I don't think you need, you know, like big Zen routine <laughs> to, get, to get good sleep. I think that's a misconception. Everyone's like, you know, it I got to do 18 things if I want to get good sleep. And again, if you're trying to do all of that stuff, you're going to set yourself up for failure. Right. It's like, I got to... <laughs> I have to do a yoga exercise, 10 jumping jacks, um, walk around the building, and then I'm ready to sleep. It's like, I'm always curious to see what people's routines are. And you're saying, hey, as long as you know when to go to bed. So I guess the question is, when do you go to bed? When do you wake up? Has that changed? Uh, it used to be more like 1130 to 12. Now it's okay. more like 1030 to 11. Okay. Um, and I get up usually between 630 and 7. So okay. It has changed where I, and I've just tried to like inch it back a little bit. I would love to be one of those people that goes to bed at eight 30 and gets up at five and has like those morning hours. And I'm just not right now. You know, I'm usually getting yeah. up at the same time as my kids and that's how it works at this point in time. But I think if I can keep cutting my bedtime back a little bit, so what going from midnight to 11 to 10 30, um, it's just giving me more opportunity and then I can keep going if I want to. Cool. No, I, I think that's important for people. So the inch back, I've heard it a lot from a lot of people. And Eric Thomas, who's a motivational speaker, he actually talked about that. He used to wake up at like 7, 730 or something like that. And he was like, well, I keep hearing the successful people, they wake up at five. So like every other month, he would start like inching it back to where like now he's at 530. So that's like, that's pretty cool. Like how you can just inch back and like continuously progress from that. And obviously evolve and things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you have to get up at 5 a.m. to be successful either. I think that's another common misconception. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about sleep. We talked about journaling. We talked about over committing introspection. And these are all great tactics and tips that you shared here, Jackie. So last question that we always ask people as we wrap up is, what's the best piece of advice that you've received recently? Hmm. 
Hmm. I'm sure you sent this in the prep questions, but I (laughs) (laughs) read it. (laughs) Uh, I'm the worst. The best piece of advice I've, I mean, my coach tells me this all the time and sometimes I want to hear it and sometimes I don't, but like the way you show up is everything. Sometimes I will, uh, show up for coaching and be all crabby and be, you know, whatever about something that's happened or, uh, I'll look at something in a negative way. And she always challenges me and says, can we look at this in a more positive way? Or is there, you know, like, do we need to reschedule this meeting until you can come back with a better attitude? And frankly, that is not the stuff I want to hear. Yeah, no. She, or she says things like, what, how much does your ego have to do with this? And she, she asked me the hard questions. And I think the best advice is that you can start asking yourself those questions and the way you show up every day, I think structures every single day of your life. I love that. So just changing your perspective on each situation. The journal helps. That's for sure. Hey, the journal does help. I do the six minute, six minute journal. Everyone's got different ones and it's, it definitely has changed my perspective. Be like, okay, like, this sucks right now, but like, how do we go about it? Yeah, I think that's really good advice for everyone. So as we wrap up, Jackie, where could people find you if they want to hit you up, if they got questions about what you got going on? Yeah, you can reach out to me on my website, JackieHermis.com or LinkedIn. Of course, I'm there a lot, all day, every day. So hit me up in the DMs. Awesome. Well, Jackie, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey, advice, and just really giving people the confidence to do some different things. And as I always say, y'all, one up, and we'll see you all next time. Bye.